You're listening to On Conversation, and I am the legend Keith Chandler. This week, I'm bringing you the 10th installment of On Conversation, filmed live on location at Muddigan's in Swansboro. They have a new location on Main Street in the historic district. You should check it out. Uh, they are great people. Again, any of the opinions expressed here on On Conversation are solely mine, Joey's, and Brad's. They are not representative of our sponsors or the establishments in which we sit to record these podcasts. This week we discuss, well, my hometown of Swansboro and really the Crystal Coast on whole and how it has changed from the time that myself, Joey, and Brad were kids until current day and how the shifting demographics of cities and small rural areas and other suburban areas are changing post-COVID-19. For example, you have a lot of people leaving high urban areas like New York, California, and other places and seeking refuge in very small podunk towns like ours. That's not to slam our town, it's just that it's a small place. Later on in the episode, Joey and Brad start to riff on economics and politics, which is the one thing they said they wanted to avoid today. So good on them. Our sponsor for the episode is State of Dyed. State of Dyed is a custom-made tie-dye clothing company right here in the Crystal Coast, born and bred uh, since 2017. Great stuff. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram at State of Dyed 2017. Uh, Awesome clothing, great company, very, very cool stuff. Our intro music this week is brought to you again by Lucy Stoner. It is the uh, unnamed random track from a rehearsal. In the meantime, let us know if you have any feedback for us. You can send us an email where. I'm not sure yet. We haven't set one up. But send us an email. Let us know what you think. Until then, enjoy the show. sedated legend coming at you this morning with co-conspiratorial colleagues coming at you from a coffee shop in a city center. A new coffee shop. That would be an alliteration. A new coffee shop in yeah, downtown so Swansboro, North Carolina. Historic downtown Swansboro. Yeah, oh, and, there's and it the has Saint Bernard. a pet store in it too, uh, which is interesting combination. We have several of these, but... Yeah, they're pretty cool inside. Yep, there you go. Um, and we have an audience. Yeah, a lot of people. So Muddigan's relocated to downtown Swansboro. In a very cool old building. It used to be the post office. Yeah, when I was a kid, it was a post office. When Brad lived here back in the day, it was a post office. When Joey was a kid, it was a post office. Mm-hmm. This was a post office. I'm not from Swansboro, though. Yeah, but, but you're, 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 you're representing CP, here. kid. Or, no, you're representing Carteret. Cape Carteret, Emerald Isle, I guess. Yeah. You must have never come over here. Yeah. 
No. Because Cape Carter didn't have a, a post office, or still doesn't have a post office, right? So yeah, no, actually, it was really... Here. Yeah, it was confusing because, because you of where You may have been the, in this the, building before and as a kid and just don't remember it. Uh, it was brick on the... I mean, like, dark brick on the outside. The only time I came to Swansboro was when I was in, uh, like, pre-K. They had, like, a daycare preschool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I at the Methodist Church? The No, nah, the building's still there, but I think they changed it to something else. Or oh, okay. goodbye. It was called Coastal Kitty College back then. No, dude. Hey, dude. Oh, dude. When did you go to Coastal Kitty College? Oh, we were my. probably Before at Coastal I Kitty went to College kindergarten. together. Um, oh, my God, y'all were kitties been together. close. But we wouldn't have been in the same age group. Right, but still, we might have been there at the same time. Yeah. Because that's where I went. Oh, my God. Strangely enough, though, we never went east of the of the White Oak River. We only went to Emerald Isle one week a year. It was like vacation. What? And we never went to Moorhead. You never went to Moorhead? You always went to Jacksonville. Yeah, because we, uh, mm. we had militaries, so we could go to the commissary oh, and the exchange, right. the PX. Mm-hmm. So we always went to Jacksonville in the mall and... Yeah, so like mm-hmm. life east of the White Oak River did not exist to me until probably 10 years ago. That's a trip. It's amazing how the bridge does create that barrier. Like in, in where my other house is, there is a bridge and a waterway. It's a river, but it also creates a barrier. People just can't get over the bridge. Right. Like, oh, I can't make it because right. it's over the bridge. I'm like... It's a bridge. Yeah. You drive over it. <laughs> I can see that in the summer, maybe, if people are intimidated by traffic. That is the case here, too, because there's a city center that you drop into right on the other side of the bridge. So, um, yeah, that can cause a lot of traffic and stuff. But well, there's, there's also... People are scared of like being getting lost, well, which that, is interesting with GPSs. But there's a mental barrier. People just don't want to go over that bridge. Well, some people are scared of that bridge. Like, there used to be people who had high anxiety. I think that's probably gone down since they put those rails on it. Uh Uh-huh. That's how my mom was the first time she came here. She was Mm -hmm. from Richmond, and she was just like, I've never seen a bridge that, like, that narrow before without any kind of, yeah. And the rails are really low on it. like white knuckle. Yeah, Yeah, and people would run over it and ride their bikes over it, and I'm like, oh, my God, you could just fall overboard. A strong wind to push you over. Yeah. Yeah, but now that they have the new rails on it, it's it messes up the view, but it's not as scary. Hmm. Most so of the people go. who go over it have elevated enough vehicles that it doesn't obstruct their view. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah. The, the new mine's railing? low and slow. Yeah, yeah. same mine's low, so it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, what are you gonna do? Get a bigger car. Get a bigger truck. No, it doesn't. No, I've. It's wonderful the way it is. I like it with the extra rails. It makes me feel safer. Really? Yeah. Especially I'm, if I I'm was in my rail. mom's handicap van. Like, the Moorhead City Bridge has got lower rails, too. The tall bridge in Moorhead. And yeah. that kind of freaks me out. Because my mom's van is jacked up. So she the one can... going from Moorhead over into Beaufort? Yep. The new one? No, the old one. The old one. The tall one. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, the other one doesn't bother me at all. It's probably because it's so wide. Right. Plus, it has pretty tall r- sides on it. Have you been on the new one in Beaufort with that one that curves? Once. Weirdly yeah, curves. When they Beaufort built that thing, we're like, that thing's not going to stand up. <laughs> yeah, it's weird looking. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think then about having grown up here and the changes? I'm fine with it. I feel now I don't... Because you're basically from here. Yeah, but since I was a kid, I don't feel like I really knew the place. I didn't know places around here. I didn't walk around a lot. 
I mean, if anything, I would make a general case of like. It's funny that you didn't walk around a lot as well, much as you're on foot now and well, on your bike. It's very difficult to like be anywhere on foot. Well, you know what? <laughs> Probably because of the. Back then, there were no bike paths. There were hardly any sidewalks. Yeah. Even in various places in Swansboro, there's still not sidewalks. There's and all only the sidewalks down here. Everything's built up around, like immediately well, they, around they the highway too. Them on the highway. Thank so, God. Up, up 24, yeah. Because people, I've seen women pushing baby strollers down the side of the road. Hmm. Yeah. It was much Crazy. different when we were. Well, it was much. And different that road was two lanes out there. A long time ago, yeah. 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 Well, a three if you count the suicide lane, but two. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of some of these houses down here actually had yards. Now mm-hmm. they just have I-95. You yeah. step out the front door yeah. and you're on the freeway. Yeah, yeah. Jim, eminent so domain. So, okay, so then when you grew up here, when you were in Beaufort and Eastern Carteret County and all that, mm-hmm. how often did you come this way? So I never came down here until my dad moved in Emerald Isle. How often did you go to Emerald Isle before that? Before that? Yeah, before your dad moved there. Maybe once a summer. So why do you think that? Because we went to Atlantic Beach. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you know the Circle Atlantic Beach or the Coral Bay Club or the Iron Steamer Pier. But you but, but, but see, but you never had. I, I guess ideally, then as I far wasn't as, really adventurous. I'm not super adventurous. I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that at all. I'm really I'm a homebody kind of. Hmm. I mean, I we'll come back. Like that. mental adventures, maybe. Okay, well, that, that, okay, all right, that'll give you that. We'll come back to that anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I guess so. Like I'm thinking about so when we grew up, like I said, I mean, if we went over the White Oak and into Cedar Point, Carteret, the Island, Moorhead, whatever, Havelock, it was for mm-hmm. soccer. Oh, that's right. I forgot you were a soccer star. It was a soccer-related mm-hmm. thing. Otherwise, we didn't really go out there. Didn't really mm-hmm. go that way. I hadn't been to any lighthouse on this coast until three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm from here. And to know that Lookout is that close, mm-hmm. really, when you think about it, mm-hmm. and that I'd never been there, it kind of, you know, it's kind of Had mind. you been to Bear Island? Yes. Okay. But I think I did that with, like, a church youth group thing. Have you been to the lighthouse? See you later. Lookout? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've been to Lookout, Ocracoke. What's the one in near Southport? Not the one on Bodie Island. Oak Island. Oak Island. Yeah, we've been to Oak Island. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at is that we never had, with the exception of soccer, we never really had a reason to go that way because everything we needed was more or less right here. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't go to the commissary, then we'd go to Pakasak mm-hmm. when, when it was Pakasak mm-hmm. because we had family ties to those people right um but you never just got in the car like people do a sunday drive and no, drive down no. the island my grandma wouldn't do that no that's that's a trip very weird yeah because she didn't wanted to save gas or just because she didn't want to drive just she, i just don't think she was ever into that she just never did that yeah i've never understood people driving around recreationally my dad used having to do that he would throw I think us it, in I the think, car and i think it happens around. a lot less now because of fuel yeah, but back then it would have been It this. was very common. Yeah. I think it's perverse. Sunday drive. Like, it's... Okay, well, it's yes, a symptom of the if, fact that we don't have a society that is built for people to actually get around on foot or not on car. 
Well, Sunday Drive, normally car. you would go further than you would on foot. Yeah, right? but the you problem would go is, outside is things of your are, town. Things are too sparsely like oriented. Well, well, so because like, we have a car culture your, 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 and we have everything built around. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's actually the the justification for like overuse of cars or places built around cars and parking lots is actually a symptom of the problem. Well, and also the Sunday drive, you have to remember a lot of families only had one car. So kids, you know, I mean, to be able to go on an adventure in the car was a big deal because you didn't ride in the car as much. The school bus picked you up and dropped you off. The dad used the car. The mom used it to go to the grocery store. There, there wasn't three-car families or four-car families. I mean, many families only had one car. Right. And so on Sunday, everybody would pile in the car. It was like an adventure. You would go out and, you know, and drive around. That was family time. Yeah. I mean, that was just as good yeah, as sitting at the table. They had station wagons. Yeah. So literally, you could carry everybody because they had and jump seats have in the back. Picnic and you'd have, those, you'd have those old-ass yeah. dope cars with the seat that sits in the back that faces out the back window. <laughs> so yeah. while, you know, you're driving, you're seeing everything. Some of them, ours flipped open this way, and they faced each other. Oh, weird. So you could put four kids back mm. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Station wagon. <laughs> yeah. And then it would lay flat. It would completely encase the, you couldn't see the seat, the jump seats once it was flat. Huh. And then it had two handles and you would just pick it up and the jump seats would appear. Okay. And my cousin, it was their storytelling. Pivot. Well, but so, but so unlike Joey, and, but that, but, and you guys have been through this neighborhood a little bit. Uh, and again, we're in, we're in downtown Swansboro. I guess technically we're in the historic district, but you know, that's, that's only for, that's only for, you know, distribution points, I guess. But, you know, this neighborhood lends itself very well to walking. Walking. Yes. So yeah. when, when I was a little kid, we walked road bikes. Because where did you live? You lived right? Uh, like, probably like three blocks over on Broad Street. Oh, okay. Up that away. Okay. Um, that's great. You wish you owned that house now. Yeah, hell yeah. A big, big mistake we made back then. But anyway, yep. that's okay. Um, but we would, you know, we'd hop Highway 24. Of course, back then it was a little smaller. But we'd hop Highway 24 and go into the neighborhoods, yeah. you know, White Oak, uh, uh, Oyster Bay, and, and um, right. River Reach and all that. You know, mm-hmm. we'd ride our bike, too. You know, whatever. That wasn't any big deal. Um, however. But you were riding your bike down a road that didn't have a, if you went down River Reach, that area, you were riding your bike down a road that didn't have a sidewalk. Right. And was and, incredibly narrow. Yeah. And you weren't worried about but, people but running I guess over your ass. What I'm getting at, though, is like, you know, you guys never came west of the river. I never went and east I mean, of the river. I'm talking about when I was a kid, no, no, too. Yeah, yeah. No, of course, of course. Yeah, we, we had Kids less... are very limited in their ability to get right. anywhere. But but even when you were growing up, you were over in Beaufort Atlantic Beach because whatever you had and your folks had there, you never needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had a car when I was 15 and a half. So, but then as I got older, you know, we, we left here when I was 15, so I never really got to explore. Right. But then when we went to Florida, I didn't really do much because I didn't know anyone and whatever. But Where then, were you in Florida? Jupiter. Oh, that's right. Oh, it was horrendous. I say that, but now all the people on Jupiter are going to get mad at me. But um, they will. Um, <laughs> but w- since I've been back, I've you know I've done so much more exploring of the area. See, that's what I was saying. Like right. when you asked me, like how did things compare to when I was a kid? I don't really have much of a baseline. Well, I, I, but I guess though, in a sense, like I th- I'm thinking about like both of our parents are older. You know. Yeah. My, my, the person that I call my mother, my ma, is 80, be 86 this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're talking about a 50 some year old woman, 60 some year old woman carting around a teenager 
you know, your parents were a little older. Maybe they just didn't, you know, you guys went to and fro. But did you did you do the Sunday rides and go? Mm-hmm. Big, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess I'm thinking about like my dad loved to drive though. My grandmother. So, okay, so there you go. See, my grandma isn't necessarily anti-driving, but it's not a big thing for her. But I think when she was growing up, her parents didn't do that because they didn't have a car. They couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And we would sing. Mm-hmm. See, okay, so there you go. That's very, yeah, stereotypical to me. Like, actually, more like 50s, 60s childhood, kind of like suburban. Like, yeah, I was 60s, so 63. I guess what I'm leaning into yep. is, is the uh, idea that hey, my dad is a great singing voice, so we would sing and. I'd sing harmony and we'd sing like Shenandoah and like songs like that. That's awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm concerned about the layout of the community as far as like the highway is a big issue here. So you essentially have like um, commercial areas or like town, you know, kind of, I guess what you call town proper, just like businesses. But, and then you know residential areas and Mm -hmm. those two and well everything from each other is cut off by like major highways so everything is really siloed and you don't have things like you don't have foot traffic you don't have things that are close enough to reach without car if you can't reach something without car then you have to prioritize parking any place you go which leads to less density the appearance of like I mean, parking lots look terrible. You couldn't. They also raise the ambient temperature of the town. Yeah, and they're not good for like runoff or anything it like that. It was interesting if you look at Beaufort from that bridge, because that bridge is high now. You can't see the tops of hardly anything from the green. Hmm. Like their canopy is really dense, which is awesome. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And there is a group in Beaufort that works on that. Like, like a lot of the crepe myrtles died, I guess, and they've re- they've been replacing them with other trees that are more resistant to the blight that crepe myrtles have, because they're not indigenous. So, um, yeah. But I mean, like, I was one thing I was noticing because in in many cities like Wilmington or Greensboro that I've lived in, they've always tried to work on the canopy because that lowers the energy cost of the city. You know, because it, like you say parking lots, various things like that. And we just, at the university, we just redid our parking lot and put trees, put medians in and trees. Like, and certain certain stormwater runoff that filters, that has natural filters in it. And it is amazing how much better the front of the thing. Number one, they did it geometrically. So it looks, it's like nice and lined up in the trees. It almost looks like a park, the way they've done the parking lot. Looks great. Hmm. But that's for that. So we can have shade on the change the ambient temperature because that parking lot's super hot. Right. The disregard with which communities and people cut down trees yes. is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty, yeah, disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on Emerald Isle, there's supposed to be a limit to how many trees you can cut off your lot. Oh, they just cleared uh, the lot, not the one next to us, which is a house, but the one next to that, they just, they cleared out probably like 20 or 30 trees just like three days ago. I just think the leveled the whole thing. you got to have 30%. Yep. Which I think Natural. isn't enough. I think they should raise that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the, yeah. Well, if they clear cut that lot, you can make an anonymous call to somebody and. I say because no. Well, that's the thing. They'll is, find them. No I mean, is, maybe no they can put more trees it. back. Yeah. Maybe they cut. Maybe they kept an appropriate percent. There's just not. Yeah. No. Sometimes know, they do that, and then they, you just don't see it. 
But the problem is, is people don't realize the consequences of doing right. it, especially if you have development, like a lot of simultaneous development, like the interaction, like just runoff. Well, not and just that. The whole island's held together by the roots of these trees. I mean, it's just a sand dune. You know, it'll disintegrate without all the scrub oaks to hold it together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the vines. And they're already having enough issues out there with um, the aquifer having salt in it, the water quality, parking. Yeah, all the same stuff. But I, I guess what I just was thinking of, like, the idea of having grown up in this area when it was smaller, obviously not in historic times, but grown up here while it was smaller, not knowing a lot about it, not navigating it much. And then now that we're all older and we kind of float through the larger Crystal Coast area, we're not really isolated, mm -hmm. you know, to where we grew up or to the habits of our parents or whatever. And then now the area is getting so big that and so crazy I mean, I'm sure here before too long, you know, I mean, I, have, I don't know if we've hit capacity yet, but I would think it. Do you know, know the state bought 4-H camp? What are they going to be a national, it? stay as a national forest. Really? Yeah. No, because I know that Hammock Speech was going to clear a lot of land to put in something like a travel park. Oh, maybe that's what they're doing. But I, from but, what but I understand, that's two, that's two different yeah. uh, plots of land. Because mm -hmm. the 4-H camp, didn't it catch fire? They, So we thought it caught fire and it was going to burn down the whole neighborhoods, all those fancy neighborhoods back there. But no, that was a controlled fire. And they did a great job controlling it. They they had agents out there with flamethrowers mm -hmm. and or some kind of flame starter, and they would get it going. Then they had like people monitoring it, and then they'd start it somewhere else, and it would suck the fire that way. It was the craziest thing. Right. They knew exactly what they were doing when they did it. Huh. But it looked like the whole area was on fire. We went out till Derek and Kathy live right across from there. We went out and came back, and look, we were like, holy shit, the whole place is on fire. And right. then we realized there were people monitoring it. Okay. Yeah. So they're going to turn it into a park? Well, I don't know. But I know that they bought it, and they, it's, they, it's, they said it was not going to be developed. But, you I know, not. I mean, not in the short term anyway. Though. Right. Yeah, that'd be cool, though, if they made it into a big park. Yeah, if they put trails, hiking trails in there, right. they need to probably tear down some of those old buildings and fill in that pool so no one falls in it. Because <laughs> hmm. I think there's a pool Did you out ever there. go out there, the old 4-H park? Or no, I, I have no park, idea what you're talking about. Really? Yeah, really. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man, uh, the 4-H camp at the end of uh, Old Hammock Road, man. You go all the way down to the end. I don't remember. What, what was 4-H? Because I've been out there several times. But it's, so we have active 4-H in the the other town that I live in and it's like uh, I don't know you have to look it up Joey it has to do with farming uh, yeah no I've definitely heard of the 4-H club anyway it was not cool sure about this location I think, you're in, I think in eighth grade they took a bunch of us out there for a week yeah I used to have a big swimming or not a big but a swimming pool out there and, head and heart hands and health okay um, it, so it, hmm. it used to have like little cabins out there you could rent and you would camp in them. Yeah. And then they had a pool out there probably that you could rent for parties. And then they, they did like things. The 4-H people did things. Yeah. I mean, obviously they were pretty popular because they could afford a piece of land that large. I mean, that's a gigantic piece of land. Yes, it is. Yeah. And a very pretty piece of land. Mm -hmm. Right there on uh, Queens Creek. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why they bought it because it had... So much Water riverfront, yeah. yeah, or creek front. It's yeah. not really a creek; it's really a river. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I like this from the standpoint of encouraging healthy living or, you know, trying to at least orient a community so that the people who live in the community have, like, default options that are actually healthful. Right. See, that's what I don't like about the... Another thing I don't like about the car culture when it comes to what it does for people right. is people basically effectively go from sitting in their houses to sitting in their cars to sitting right. in another location to sitting in their cars to right. sitting in their houses again. Well, that takes community management and community planning, just like the bike paths in Emerald Isle changed the culture of Emerald Isle. Yeah, I mean, totally. Like, that was the best investment they could do so far as the health of Emerald Isle was to, and and it, I don't know that they invested that much because I think that was a federal grant, pass-through grant, that gave them the money to build all the bike paths. Yeah, I don't know initially, but I mean, I mean, think obviously they built for the, the maintenance, they I do think, a, lot yeah. of, a lot of programs and a lot of right. events to support it and upkeep it. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, it couldn't, you couldn't have done anything better to get people outside and on their feet and on their bikes and on their rollerblades and God knows what else is on there. Yeah, well, and you know? for, for being outdoors, for being active, for socialization, for businesses to actually yeah. have people who feel immediately invested yeah. in the places yeah. where they are. Like, and it, it's, a, it's a hedge also against like large businesses entering an area. Like it advocates for businesses that have, that have personality right. and that are personable. Right. Um, and it, it makes people feel like they're more invested well, in the actual community. I mean, and we have all kinds of evidence, Highline being one of the ones that studied the most, where they took the Highline in New York City and turned it into an elevated garden. And, and people just go there to stroll, and they meet other New Yorkers, and they're moving slowly. They're not racing around. I mean, it changed the whole dynamics of the area that <coughs> it bisects. So um, we have all kinds of evidence that that makes it better. So then with more and more people leaving, ostensibly, seemingly, leaving major urban areas and flocking to places like this... I think they'll—I don't know that that's going to be... I don't know that people will, will. I mean, they move to those urban areas for a reason. I don't know that they'll stay here once, once, you know, COVID is kind of under control. The thing about yeah, if you have a population influx with the system set up the way they are now, then you're effectively just going to you're going to blow up the population in the suburbs, which is either it's just going to create without like proper planning or without anything deliberate, right. then you're just going to end up in the same situation where you have more residences, you have expanded commercial areas, and the commercial areas are going to be built around cars and accommodating parking right. for the residential Which is what ones. the suburbia has been yeah. built around, which is why people moved back in the cities because they didn't want that anymore. Right, and that's what They I'm, wanted to be able to walk places. That's, that's why saying, urban like, areas yeah. have bloomed in the last 25 years how, but how do you how do you curtail that in a place like this now like okay so like for B Beaufort for example I think they'll go back I think a um, lot of them will go back Beaufort, Beaufort is very high, high high retirement yeah but I but I think they work real it works real well down there because they have a working waterfront if you're in that little downtown enclave there it's then very you can very walk cool and there's there's markets down there there's yeah. restaurants there's whatever Swansboro to a much Homemade lesser croissants. extent Hell yeah! Oh man, Swansboro <laughs> to a much those. lesser extent. You they, can. Do they have a bakery here in Swansboro that makes croissants? No, not anymore. No, I don't think so. So Swanky Sweets closed down, and she was the only one. Uh huh. Oh. I think so. And I don't think she closed down for lack of business. I think they just moved. But there's restaurants down here, you know. But otherwise, for the most part, in this town, you kind of have to 
not necessarily a car bike could get you around, but a car to get to the grocery and some other stuff like that. Right. But like when I was living in Nashville, you know, and we were living in downtown and when I was living in the hood, man, but the corner shop was a short walk away. But there, did it have, was it a full stock grocery store? It was more like a market. Yeah, it was like a market. I mean, you could go get like eggs or whatever, milk, and then grocery, not unlike the BP there by Owen's house on the island. Yeah. I mean, you can go there and yeah. get like simple stuff. But you're not going to go there and get like a T-bone and. Well, there are city areas like in Greensboro that have like, like little pack of sacks basically that are they're not very big. You know, they're like twice the size of this store. Right. Maybe, maybe four times the size. That's still not super big, right. but yeah, on like a city, like a little corner block in a neighborhood right. that would have had a gas station over here and a laundromat and those kind of things like in the middle of the city in Greensboro and like this little grocery store. Yeah. And, so yeah, and it's been there for like a hundred years. I think people, uh, and, and the stereotype that people have of cities is skewed because they think of them as being very monolithic and impersonal and like a, a single very large group of people instead of viewing them as actually compartmentalized like individual communities they where are people individual communities. actually exist and interact with a finite number of people right um, not saying that cities don't have their own problems but again the the walkability of it well like, like so does so solve a lot of several issues. states the one that's on the top of my head right now is West Virginia because I, I, I looked into it and I plan on calling them actually here this week but uh, you're calling, wait, you're calling the state of West Virginia? Yeah, so there are some states that are offering... Um, <laughs> Hello, West Virginia? Yeah. Yeah, how are things going with Virginia? Right. Yeah, no, I do, you know, I, I get that. How's, <laughs> how's the tips of your Appalachia doing? Yeah. yeah. Um, they are offering a program, is it Ascend, West Virginia? To move people in the area? Uh-huh, and they'll pay you. So... Were you going to buy Joey's drink? I am. He's going to try to do it. I know. Oh, but, he's just getting water. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna block it. Watch. He's just getting water. Just watch. Oh, okay. Lavelle, I'll pay for that. <laughs> but so I think it's a send West Virginia, but anyway, or or something like that. Point is, is for I think it's Morgantown, and there are three or four other cities. And you'll move, you can move there, and if you stay there for two years, then they give you something like twelve grand. But what it is is they want people who can work remotely to live there, and then they want those people. This is like a very specified, you know. So they're advertising and on the beauty of the outdoors. And West Virginia does have some pretty countryside. Right. They, they very much. Appalachia do. is gorgeous. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I know no it's nasty it. at certain times of the year, but otherwise, it's, yeah. it's, it truly is a very pretty pretty state right, I've, yeah. been, I've been through there several times yeah. I know you have too yeah um, I go through there all the time and anyway uh, I like I happen to like West Virginia and I've told Sam this that you know it, as a future move I, I would consider West Virginia yeah, yeah it just seems like a cool place I like it but you wouldn't work remotely I mean you're in the mix right but then again if you have all these people moving somewhere did she just tell that duck to stay mm-hmm. I think she was just talking to the duck yeah there's, there, yeah there's a nest out there yeah um, what is she doing? What are you doing? <laughs> the uh, anyway, so they they'll pay you to move there. But so I was going to call and say, hey, you know, like I'm a licensed electrician. 
I get reciprocity in your state, I'll move there. I'll take 12 grand to move there, sure. Because mm-hmm. you're going to need someone there to fix all these utilities that all and, these other people. And all the houses that, you know, r- might need to be fixed up, especially if there's been flight out of those small towns, some right. of the small towns. Right. They've got some really cool little small towns. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And I don't know, is Morgantown small? I don't think that's. That's where WVU is, is it not? Probably. I is. think their mother, their mother campus is there. Oh wow! I so think. that would have you would have fun there. Oh, I, did, I think it'd be great. I, I, the, the place yeah, I've been to the most is Charleston. Oh god, that would be jazz, jazz, jazz. But Yo, the place I've been to jazz. the most is Charleston, and I love Charleston. I think it's great. I've been to Huntington a handful of times. I so, go right by both of those. Yeah, it's a little mm-hmm. more rough. Yeah, because we go the same way when we go up there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Y'all need to stop in. Well, we could just got to go a little further to get to you. Yeah, it's not that far. So for anyone, I guess, that would wonder, my mother lives in Ohio and Brad works in Indiana, so we travel on the same highway routes Mm -hmm. to get to our respective destinations. But so the whole thing with them paying people to move somewhere, to move out of larger urban areas, Mm -hmm. where most of these people probably (laughs) usually are, into smaller up-and-coming either college towns or small city centers, places like... Who's paying? Uh, I was uh, so I was telling Brad West Virginia has a program where they pay twelve thousand dollars to move to one of four or five cities, but they want people who can do remote work, so that they can live in West Virginia permanently. Like you could do that, explore the outdoors because West Virginia has a lot to offer in that way. They want people who are really outdoorsy. They want uh, you know exploratory type people, but they want mobile people that's a pretty high degree of social engineering yeah so i was telling brad it's not unusual i was trying to italy's offering states trying to to poach successful citizens from other states that's interesting that's no different than the united states taking the best of the best from the rest of the world we've been doing that for years man no everybody's always done that they like come to arizona like they used to have these posters (laughs) that they would put out and but so I was telling, giving away free homesteads. I was telling basically. Brad that I wanted yeah. to. I was. I wanted to call them and the say, homestead like, act. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can't work mobile, but I am a licensed electrician. I get reciprocity in your state. Did you look and make sure you have reciprocity? Okay. Yeah. And you're going to need, you know, you're going to need someone there to fix all this stuff when these people all move in. You know. Mm-hmm. So I, what I'm getting at with this whole idea of, of getting away from a car-centric society. Yeah. And having like home again because of the habits of our parents we experienced the childhood that we had now not to say that we didn't have our own independent movements thoughts whatever you didn't do much in your town because your parents just didn't do that and your town wasn't built the way this one was i I didn't do a lot yeah any of my independent like kind of long leash uh like kid social development was within particular residential neighborhoods right it was never like going to you know we could walk to mcdonald's because it was on the correct side of the highway or we could try to run across the highway to you know pretty much nothing like a video store or something (laughs) or yeah exactly oh that's right i forgot about that place but it was Principally, like you I know, think maybe suburban. why we drove is because a decent amount of time I lived on base, and so you had okay. to get off base right. to go do something. do something. Yeah, but so then you know again with with people moving around now, whether they're they're permanent or temporary, and wanting to escape the idea of car culture, and the sitting, and the uh, I guess in a sense the isolation, mm-hmm. then you know is like in this area here. I mean we've seen this area change so much. In such a short amount of time, mm-hmm. 
it's going to continue to change. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'm, I'm, I'm trying to propose a question that I can't quite form in the sense of like, well, so what, how do you encourage that? And then in these yeah. cities and these places where people are moving and going, you know, do so kind of like, I guess like, and this is just my opinion, but I would say that all the people that have moved into Swansboro over the last mm -hmm. 15 years has inherently changed the culture of this town. Because a lot of the people that had been here for a long, 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 long time when I was a kid are dead and gone. Mm -hmm. Or both. One or the other or both. And th that is natural for an area to evolve. It either dies or evolves. Right. And so the right. evolution here has like been... Like Beaufort would have died without the boardwalk. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So the evolution here has been, and you know, the, the people that are coming here, it's changed the atmosphere and the, the mm -hmm. swagger or whatever you want to call it of this town. Mm -hmm. I personally don't care for it, but that's just me. That all sounds really vague, though. What do you mean by by culture, attitude? Uh, like, what are you actually I describing? I, I feel like this town is has a more northeastern attitude, village type attitude, than it has the slow, easygoing, well, Swansboro. There's an old saying. How do you Island distinguish? Right. I mean, how do you distinguish local changes from like when I global this, or when, national okay, changes? When I was a little kid, everyone waved. You go through this neighborhood, everybody waved. You go through this neighborhood, no one waves. You do. They will start waving if you wave at them and smile. That actually can change. That culture can be driven by people just doing it. Sure, and I understand that. But I guess what I'm getting at is that there's 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 just not an amalgamation of people that are doing it. There are there are less less there are more people moving here that are discovering this place. I like, would yes. be less concerned about friendliness to strangers as a cultural attribute than uh, a society in which people know and trust their neighbors and they feel invested in each other and mutually invested in the community like you know but friendliness only that to strangers, makes them wave like, but, but i, I yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, but i don't i don't think that anyone here feels mutually invested in anything i think that the people that have been here for a long time the few of us that are still here are being forced out because they can't afford it i think the people that are coming here are doing really nice things by improving the properties and cleaning things up but they're turning it into which is great i mean it's i'm not i'm not I have no qualms with preserving what's there and making it better. I have no qualm with that. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're making it impossible for people who grew up here and have been here forever to stay here. And if you're not friendly, and, and again, man, I've been to some of these town meetings in the last couple of years. Most of the people that live here now think that this place was founded in 2006. Okay, so so what I'm getting at is like as things change, like if people, if more people from urban environments and cities are moving to places like this and they're used to walking or going to their local corner bodega or their local, then these, these not sterile, not cold neighborhoods, and then they come to places like this where they're in car land and they don't want that, for better or worse, is, the, is that type of culture that those people are bringing here going to be enough to push change in places like this? Yes. to become more communal. It yeah, I think the problem is we just have, like... Beaufort, Beaufort's a perfect example of that. In in the sparsely populated areas of the country, non-urban areas of the country, or, well, no, in, in general, I think mainly because of cars and business interests, you don't have places where people live that can experience healthy, organic growth. Like you talk about people being forced out. Well, it's because you don't have a place that can naturally grow to accommodate more people. 
whether it's the like the commercial interests of it or the like the residential well, interests. Well, some of, of it. that is economic. Our country's economic policy that has not allowed. I mean, the you know, like I was talking about that interview yesterday. Well, they were saying that if the minimum wage kept on track as it was in the '60s and '70s, it should be like $32 an hour. <laughs> Right, the yeah. minimum wage now, not just the average wage, but the minimum wage. If that had kept out, the people wouldn't be forced out of Swansboro. So if you have a smaller number of people right. with so a higher proportion of the actual capital, then you're going to end up with, like, accelerating, rising, like, property Right, which is what happened in San Francisco, where all of a sudden the San Franciscans couldn't live in the city because all the tech people came in and drove the prices up. They also fixed up the city, right. you know, because there's massive capital flowing into the city, Oops, but it raised the property values what extremely, like, in, like exponentially. It was terrible. For the both of you, because you guys live there, and you've been living and Now there. it's happening in Austin, because all of them are moving to Austin. To Texas, yeah. Yeah. Um, so both of you have lived on the island for quite a while and mm -hmm. been more on island than I ever have. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I lived on the island for a brief period, but how do you think or what do you think the identity, culture, atmosphere, how do you think that has changed on the island? I'll tell you what I think, but I want to know what you think first. Oh, when you, my first, the first thing that comes to mind for me is when you talk about people and, you know, it's a vacation community, it's a retirement community, increasingly a retirement community when you talk about people coming from elsewhere and bringing uh like potentially cultural changes or a different culture i'm consistently surprised that regardless of where somebody's coming from geographically that they seem culturally very similar to we were just each talking other about this yesterday yeah. weren't we yeah i think yeah. the people coming to eastern north carolina like who are looking for a kind of smaller town atmosphere whether they're coming from Ohio or Pennsylvania or Maryland or other parts of eastern North Carolina, I think there's a surprising amount of similarity in the things that they want and what their like worldview is and what they consider well, good and I bad. Well, I wonder if some of that has to do with race. I, I've always wondered because certainly the island has a homogeneous society so far as race pretty much. So, like, I wonder if some of that's escaping in, you know, racial mixture. I don't know. I'm, hmm. I'm just postulating that because it seems like to me uh, many of the people on the island um, have problems with constructs, racial constructs. So, I don't know. Um, which is a possibility, you know. So problems with racial constructs in the, in the sense of not liking race as a social construct? Or no, really having problems with other with races. Other races. Oh, okay. Hmm. You don't really see people of color on the island very often. I mean, you see, you see people of color maybe going to the beach or workers, workers working as a, right. like, like Hispanic people working on buildings or whatever in yards, but yeah. Right. It's very, very white. I always felt like... And rich, for that matter. Yes. I always felt like the island, when I was a little kid, I always felt like the island was... It was a fishing, kind of like a fishing camp. Yeah, like it was it was half really poor fisher camp. And as a kid, for Some me... Some of those trailers were propped up. Yeah. Like they looked like they were just going to fall into the sand. And for a kid, for me... 
Hey, are you leaving? Are you leaving? Are we boring you to death? <laughs> oh, just <laughs> you would have to be inter- interesting enough to listen to before I would call we're, you boring. Uh, we're kind of talking about neighborhoods. The hood. The hood. Mm-hmm. I hate cars. That's and what he's I've he's been pretty much saying that over I and do. over again. Hates a strong word. Joey strongly dislikes. I don't cars. like a society that's built around cars. I like car people fine. Like people who are interested in cars and racing and how cars look and And this car is this is where when history, I edit this later, I'm going to clip in a, a little snippet of Gary Newman's cars. Yeah. We'll have to pay him. Here in my car. It is better by far. You know who's actually a pilot? Ironically. Really? Yeah. Like an airline pilot? Um, or like a private pilot. I think private. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. So anyway, but the the island when I was a little kid always struck me as half poor fisher people. That was the sound side for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then the other half was like really rich people. Even if they weren't. But again, growing up in a podunk home here and then going over there and seeing three story beach houses once a year is like Wow. Yeah, but yeah. the, the three-story beach houses were on the ocean front, so a lot of the houses that were in the neighborhoods, like across from where Emerald Plantation is, and that neighborhood in there, like Yopon Street, Shell, mm-hmm. all those, those houses were little tiny three-bedroom track houses, kind of. Right, and those mm-hmm. were those were more what I was used to seeing, right. you know, here. Mm-hmm. But as time has gone on, I, I have found the island to get incredibly wealthy and with that wealth I have found incredible pretense incredible coldness mm. and uh, a certain amount of aloofness I think to just uh, the, the plight of the worker in the everyman however there are pockets because I have worked for and met some people who are wonderful on conversation which is impossible to search for online because every podcast has the word conversation in the yeah. title. Yeah, you can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. You just got to look real hard for it. Yeah. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Somewhere, some way, will makes a lot of sense. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll give Lavelle a link and you can put it on the Mudigans page. How's that? I can send it to Sam and she'll forward it to you. How's that? that All, right. All right. But there are pockets. like uh, So I did some work this week for some people in um, Land's End. Traditionally speaking, a very pretentious, high, right. highfalutin neighborhood. But what do you mean by pretentious? Pretentious is, is a personality trait. Just because somebody can afford a nice house doesn't make them a pretentious <laughs> person. I don't know. Uh, I I don't don't think I'm equating it that way. I'm I'm saying I'm making a blanket statement that the pretense of the island has increased, in my opinion, over time. Are you sure you're not projecting that on people? I'm not saying that's not also true. I'm just telling you what I think. Okay. But I'm not saying it's not a projection, but that's what I think. Pretense. An attempt to make something that is not the case appear true. A claim, especially a false or ambitious one. So what would you assume these people are, are claiming that is untrue? Or they're shit-inspiring stink. Yeah, they're shit-inspiring That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, they act and... Like they don't wipe their own asses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're lighting cigars with $100 bills, and it's like, man, you're no, you're no different or better than me. 
Yeah, cancer will get you too. See you guys. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. But so I went and did some work for some people in Land's End, and they were the nicest, sweetest, mm. funniest, cutest people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, the you lady, were telling me that. the lady called Owen. Um, the lady called Owen. Uh, no, this was some new people. This wow. was just this week. And the lady called Owen after I'd left the house. I, I had gone and done whatever other jobs, and I ran into him later in the day. And he said, oh, yeah, so-and-so called me, and, uh, man, she just loves you. She just thinks you're the cutest, sweetest little guy. da 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 da, da, da. She loves your shirt. da 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 Well, that sounds kind of condescending, but... Well, I'm sure maybe there is some condescension well, in Well, old but... people say cutest okay. little. Gotcha. They would say right. that to you, too. So, yeah. like, you know, yeah. I, had, I had one of the tie-dyes on that Sam made for us, and so I came to the front door and knocked on the door, and she came to the door, and she went, oh, my gosh. You look so psychedelic. That purple is just amazing. I'm, I'm not joking. And then her husband is standing there, and he's like, hey, uh, honey, he's very Italian. He's like, hey, honey, uh, I, I mean, you look at the guy in my long hair. And yeah. he's like, I think he was kind of trying to imply right. that, you know, like, hey, this guy. You Leave know? my line. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know, I've, I've, not, I've heard this once before, but so anyway, and you guys live there, and I think the world of the both of you, I think you guys are wonderful, fantastic people, beyond pretense and all these types of things, you know? People think I'm aloof, though. See, I don't feel yeah, that way. Yeah, me too. Part I can see where that would I, be construed about the you. The way I talk. I don't consider you aloof. I consider you stoic, and I find that an admirable quality. You are I not aloof. I am pretentious, though. You are quiet. You can be, but you're not always. And and I would say that's like a like a 95-5%. Ooh. 5% of the time, maybe. 95% of the time. You're as cool as a three-speed fan. So are you sure it's just <laughs> distracted and not the yeah, stoic is Pocket not down. like letting life wash over him? This, this, what you're perceiving as stoic is distraction. I guess I, I, I have always admired Joey's sense of calm. Really? Yes. All right. Sometimes, sometimes it seems like the world would be blowing up around you and you'd just be kind of hanging out like, eh, all right, just looking for a good beat, nice meal. Hmm. Good set of flip flops, decent bike, good to go. Right. Yeah, sometimes I'm the one blowing stuff Cut up, off. though. Cut well, off. Well, but that's well, usually that's when you recent. yourself are already in. <laughs> you're usually way mud. into the wind when you're blowing things <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. 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 yeah, you are. When you've not had the hair of the dog, you're, you're usually. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, most of the time I see you is when you're not like that. And. Like, imagining you like that is pretty hard to imagine. Hmm. I mean, I've seen I've seen people party and, and it changes the personality, but yeah, like you're you're reserved, pretty reserved, like in real life. Yeah, IRL. Yeah, I would I've say never seen you like jump up on a table and do anything crazy. Or I, anything I would like say that. that the most. I mean, I don't necessarily want to see that. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, back to me. back to the. So again, yeah, and maybe, maybe, get off me. Maybe, the, the people coming into the island. Maybe, yeah. may, and maybe I am projecting because, and I've said this before, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a class warrior, and that's my own problem. Oh, and I like that, and that's why you need to listen to that because Gnome is a class warrior. Okay, and I, and I, so I'll check it out this afternoon. Yeah. And and maybe my my complaints are misplaced. Perhaps I am projecting, and I and I I recognize that I'm not beyond criticism in this. What you're saying is not wrong. I mean that that you know the gentrification does raise property values and it pushes out the local residents. I mean that is the major 
disadvantage of gentrification. Right. Sure, it paints buildings and it fixes sidewalks and then plants new trees and it makes everything look a lot be more beautiful, right. but it does raise the tax value naturally because that's the way the shit works. Right. And then it forces out the, the primary inhabitants of the area over but, and over and over again. It's but is like that a moral or character failing of the people who are causing it, though? Or no. is it just no, a no, 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 consequence? No. I, d I don't blame the people per se. I think I think I think that because I don't know who to blame often. I would say the mindset of, huh. of Does that make sense? Yeah. So I've had the, the privilege of, of, of hanging out. Can't be out just, with, be arbitrary. So I've had some <laughs> privilege of hanging out with some people that mm. have fallen in love with Beaufort and actually moved there. And they're part of that particular process that you're talking about. The downtown area where, you know, a tiny little house is 500 grand. And they love that place. I mean, literally, they're the warriors that are keeping people from cutting down trees and, you know, doing all kinds of things that would cause, you know, problems in the ecosystem. They're big on, on like, like all these different kinds of, incentives to to make the the place look better and i would say that that is the opposite of kind of what you're talking about mm. because they're very friendly and and sunny one of the things she said about being in beaufort was that you, you people just wave and chatter at you because everybody's walking around downtown probably similar to what goes on down here maybe not as much because beaufort has a lot more people in it right the downtown area is gridded and, and a little bit bigger. Right. Um, more full-time so, residents. Right, and it's also just the way the grid is laid out. It has more areas for people to congregate in because the downtown's a lot longer. Right. Um, and I, I feel like those people actually have made that place better. Right, right, right. I yeah. mean, and not because they mm. raise the property values, just because their mindset is they're all you know, like retired people, State Department people, retired people, musicians, uh, like classical musicians, like like all these different kinds of cool cultural things. And they're literally taking their houses back to the original paint in the 1700s and repainting them those colors. Like in crazy things, like ripping down additions and making the house the way it was in the 1700s. Like, planting indigenous trees to the area. I mean, like, literally those kinds of things. Yeah, um, I think, ironically, I wouldn't have known that without having dinner with those people because you perceive something, you know, and then you step into the world, and then now the mayor of Beaufort is really into that kind of stuff because he's a conservationist. So, yeah. I think the people who that you're referring to as responsible, or, okay, uh, use San Francisco as an example right. of gentrification and like rising property and home values. Well, well that's, the, the that's people who are the people who are responsible for that generally have very liberal personal politics. Yeah, very left wing. Very they would outwardly claim and be adamant about being very sympathetic to people on the basis of economics, on the basis right. of race, and on the basis of protecting right. local culture. Yeah, uh, right. be very class conscious. <laughs> the problem but, with that yeah. is that, that, that is, that's a steroid example. You know what I mean? That's yeah, not the well, average gentrification I example. A that's a steroid example because those people were billionaires. Right. I think the Different perception around here of people coming from other places coming to here is actually... If, if people are bringing something different culturally, they're bringing more liberal politics rather than, yes, like, 
rather than the well, not, na- more native conservative politics around I here. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I don't know if that's true either, but that's the way that people per- which perceive is a lot of people coming from elsewhere. Which would be from an interesting north. thing. What would what would bring people to Ingmanal versus bring people to both? Well, I think in general, this whole area is, is statistically more conservative than not because of the military influ- influence. Yeah, 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 I think that has a lot to do with it. But and, and again, and so, it being smaller. Yeah, so like I say, I mean, obviously, it, you know, it's it's easy to blame a person for taking. Well, hey, well, we got this house for cheap, and we sold our place up north or out west or whatever, you know, and 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 that's the wrong place to do that. But I guess in a certain way, it's like, and I'm not against this happening, so much as it it's just that. I'm more into the idea of giving everyone an equal chance. And and I guess that's idealistic and naive. Equal chance at, at what? At, at, I guess, anything or everything. Like, I was born and raised here. I, I, I'm, I can't afford to live here. And the rents keep going up. Yeah. And so I guess it would be nice. And given I'm not native... So the lack of a chance there represents being effectively priced out of something. I guess Or so, like yeah. a mode of life or a place or right. somebody saying... Somebody, well, maybe not somebody saying it, but circumstance dictating that because of the actions of others or unintended consequences, you can't have something that you feel like... That I would Maybe like. not entitled to, Correct. but... But it, I would very much like to have. But you're bothered by unequal access to it sure okay i think that's a, a but you but you know me man you know me really well feeling uh, i would be lying if i said there wasn't a teeny bit of entitlement wrapped into this no but there's Just my hood kid there i grew up here <laughs> no but that that emotional response is at the like the heart of a lot of people's politics and right. a lot of what they worry about in our society today it's and, very human and a lot of what people worry about with the wealth gap mm. you know and the the apparent unfairness of it right. and like the the haves and have nots mm. i just think it would be nice to be able to see i guess the idea of like Let's say you had a half run down neighborhood and you had people still living in it and okay. and it became a popular whatever. And so people from somewhere else, I, regardless of uh, race, creed, religion, whatever, just people. I'm just talking strictly about people at this point. Okay. People from somewhere where that place isn't come to this place and they decide this is the new hot thing. Yeah. And so they start buying up the property and fixing it up. Yeah. So instead of... And so when that happens, you know, property values go up, people can't stay, people can't get in, whatever. Well, what if somehow, some way, I mean, you can, and again, I don't want to, like, enforce something on people, but, like, if you could do something where, much like on Emerald Isle, where you're, you're supposed to keep 30% of your greenery. Yeah. Well, what if in these neighborhoods you were required to keep 40% of the residents or that... For every so many houses that are refurbed or go up or torn down, that so much money needs to be allotted to refurbishing whatever half-fallen-in home that somebody whose families lived there 300 years or whatever. So you're talking about a government solution to... Hey, no, it would have to be. Well, okay. Okay? Okay, Otherwise, there's no power to enforce it. So he's talking about... People coming in from elsewhere and the um, the residents being displaced or the 
the locations, the buildings, the the style being effectively like torn down, you know, normally raised. Normally, that doesn't and, happen. Normally, they're preserved. And but what In are the normally they're preserved? What are the what are the remedies to that, um, like that loss of resonance or that loss of you know like culture? That's the like sound what, of a blunder. What, what's the mechanism? to like prevent that and what's the what's the payoff right and what's lost well, by it again the uh, a higher minimum wage better advantages for people that are in the areas that gentrification happens so that would suggest so it's it's a symptom of a larger problem of, of like the shrinking like yeah the, the, the shrinking inequality. number of people who are able to afford what right. people feel like they should be like entitled if you want to keep retirees in their house just raise social security to a wage to like a real retirement instead of a supplemental retirement hmm. you know and literally if you took the cap off of social security it would be easy to do that wait what's the cap on social security you, people only pay social security dollars on 125,000 or less once you get really? over that, you don't pay any money. So if you make $20 million a year, you well, don't pay Social Security on that. Because the assumption is it's not in your economic best interest to effectively, like, governmentally save that much money? Or what's the... Well, part of it was the law was put in place when people didn't make much more than that. And the other is... So has that is cap that not been adjusted for inflation? I don't think so. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It, so Social Security is broke only because of that Social Security will run out of funds where the youth pay for the adults because of that cap. Well, Social Security is not, hypothetically, Social Security doesn't have to run out of funds because the government can credit. I mean, it, with, with legislation, the government would be allowed. It, it's legislation that's preventing the government from crediting the Social Security accounts by creating currency. No, the, the, well, the Social Security accounts have to be bond-driven anyway. It, it's supposed to be. But By there's law. nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. the only thing that is preventing the government from paying off Social Security by creating currency is Congress not allowing it. Oh, it's not really broke. I mean, it has to work the way it's working. The, when people say it's broke because we've loaned the money out in Social Security, that's because it has to be invested in bonds. That's, yeah. a, that's a joke. Hypothetically, that, that, the United States government is cannot stupid. be broke in U.S. dollars. Right, right. Yeah. 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 And plus, it has to be it has to be loaned out so it earns interest so it can pay for the future. Right. Yeah. And so it would be like, why would we put it in a bank account anyway? Like it would be worthless. It wouldn't earn any money. Yeah. And so part of the problem also, I mean, literally that cap changes Social Security. Like, if you take that cap off and 20, you know, people that earn $20 million pay on the Social Security on $20 million, then it doesn't, even though they'll never be able to use it, they're paying for a robust society. Right. And so that would be what you would do. And they pay for doing away with elderly poverty. You know, so someone's worked their whole life and then they're in poverty, like, you would do away with that completely. Because it would turn Social Security into an actual retirement and not a supplemental retirement because social security is basically yeah. a supplemental i mean people shouldn't be completely living off social security because it's not very much i mean my mom makes 60 yeah relative well, that, that twenty thousand dollars that wasn't the intention of it to begin no it's with, just right. supplemental yeah. relative to when but it uh, did when, away with poor houses when american yeah. labor was uh stronger mm -hmm. and um, the average american job had 
you know, more of a, a more of a pension, more right. of a yeah, more retirement benefits than yeah, yeah it should be. In well, again, in the minimum it wage it kept up with with those, just kept up with the times with inflation and the times it would be thirty dollars. So you see where, you know, certain neoliberal legislation has allowed these inequalities to happen where gentrification stands out where it wouldn't stand out as much before you'd have a few newly married couples moving into these older houses because they liked older houses and you know the the people that had lived in the houses for a hundred years would be their neighbors and they would go over and take them fruit baskets and then you know help them paint their house or whatever it wouldn't be you wouldn't see the stark contrast that you see now it'd be much more gradual so boomers, late boomers, Gen Xers really bought the the Reagan economics model. Yes. The supply side economic, trickle down economics like hook, line and sinker. Yeah. And we're And there's reasons abs- for we're, that. We're there's dog- academic reasons and other reasons for that. We're religiously convinced though yes. that if you by by decreasing taxes you were going to lift everybody up effectively and that by doing anything that would i mean one way to put it would be to decrease wealth inequality the other way would be to uh hamstring high owners doing high earners doing anything to prevent that then you would cripple the economy and it would be you know catastrophe for everybody right but you know democrats liberal politicians bought into that entirely in the 1990s hence the the creation of you know neoliberalism if you try to have conversation with a even a liberal or boomer uh democrat then they it is amazing the how the their willingness to put the supply side economics. The, their, their willingness yeah. to put the health of the economy ahead of the welfare of people or yep. seeing them as being indistinguishable right and that is something that i mean i think our generation and generation younger than us does not buy into at, at all. all yeah so that this is interesting because one of the things uh ezra mentions on that thing i want you to listen to is the war between the millennials and the boomers mm. over this particular issue yeah because the millennials can read they can look back in history and understand you know I mean, you can kind of see where it comes into effect because Keynesian has been had been working relatively well, but inflation had gotten out of control. And so it was easy for them to sell for Milton Freeman to sell that kind of the Hayek economics that pretty much have been brushed under the rug as not functional. Well, the late 1970s um, was right. the, the economics of the late 1970s basically right. created an environment where where it was any, made it believable that the yeah. Hayek kind of thing. And then Milton Friedman wrote several pieces that were published in various newspapers and 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 talked about in journals and stuff. And he was the Chicago School of Economics. Um, brought in a bunch of those people that thought that way and they did economic models and all this other stuff and they really sold the supply side economics to the to the country after it had been discredited before that a long time ago yeah that's where Keynes comes in and you know kind of kind of mixes capitalism and the state together and and creates this really robust kind of market that the state supports um, the actual state creates the market in Keynesianism, kind of, and um, and it's a market of peace, 
And it's where the Bretton Woods institutions came from, the IMF, the World Bank, all those different things. So, um, yeah, but but neoliberalism just kind of laid that to waste, like started cutting. It's like it's like states, state colleges are designed for poor people and middle class people to go to school, right? And so state colleges were originally supported 70, 80% by the state. Now they're supported like 20% by the state. That's where the difference is in your tuition. If, 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 if the compact between the state and their colleges, the, just the state colleges, the state and their colleges was still in effect, tuition would not be near what it is right now. Hmm. Right, well, so student okay, loans high, would not be near what it is right now. High tuition is blamed on a an unlimited tap of government money and right, and that has no, the that education really system at lower levels encouraging people to go to college regardless of whether or not it's an intelligent decision. Right. So the which loans is not the government loans result in unlimited capital that drives the price up. That's right, which kind of is, the which is not true. Like okay. the state the state I mean it's true a little bit but the state the state funding so U of L um, was free originally. Now the state and the city only pays 13% of the tuition. Hmm. That's it. Compared to where it was completely paid for, and now it's 13%. So what does it look like from, why does it make an, if you're talking about the inflation of tuition costs, right? Yes. Why does it make a difference, whether, a difference whether the government's paying it through loans or the state government is paying it directly? Because the students are bear, the, bear the brunt of the loans. The state would bear the brunt of the loans or the brunt of the payments because they would be reinvesting in their state. Yeah, I can see it as that would be a good justification or it would be justified in eliminating like well, the personal burden of student loan debt is to drag on right. the economy. Right. But I don't see how that would prevent the the cost from like accelerating because they don't no, I mean the, the cost is going to accelerate. I mean professors are paid more, houses are more expensive. Yeah. There is a cost acceleration, yeah. Yeah, so state the funding the universe. The on the state and not on the person. Not okay. on the kid. Yeah, I see right. that. I think that's good, but I don't think yeah, that's not necessarily going to prevent the cost. And states can borrow money and up. create money a lot easier than kids can. If yeah. Any Now that doesn't mean private schools wouldn't have their own thing. But you have to remember, the mission of state schools is to help the economy in the state, to create more learned people in the state, more educated voters, more yeah. people to invent new shit. Yeah, hence yeah. the reason why they treat out-of-state students differently than in-state students. Right. Mm -hmm. Much, much, much higher tuition. Yeah. Going back to those, that thing earlier about the trickle-down economics not working and lowering taxes, is putting more money, da 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 but is there any strong evidence to suggest that taxing people would undo that or, or give us more money to disperse in other ways that, that wouldn't get crookedly used up in our, in our somewhat crooked governmental streams? Well, anytime you, I mean, there's always abuses. Sure. I mean, in any kind of system. So, um, so any how, system. So then how do you have, yeah, so how do you have trickle up economics? Mm. How, so, how, for, to put it in a term, so they're already doing it. I mean, Biden's, Biden's plan. Yeah, Biden's plan. Shoot up economics. Biden plan. Biden's plan takes capital gains, which are normally below fifteen percent, and changes that to thirty percent. Okay. Or almost forty percent. That is a huge difference. That means people that don't work will be taxed the same as rich people that do work. So is that okay? 
the so that shifts the burden off the the middle class and puts the burden of taxes on the upper class, which is where it's supposed to be. I think okay. Whenever I hear according about, to the way income tax was created, whenever, that's why we have a graduated income tax. Whenever I hear about tax policy, I think of a and actually like mm, you know approximately three pronged issue where all the all the facets of it are actually conflated, and I think the conversation gets derailed and it's extremely unproductive. So you have um, why should individuals be taxed X? First of all, you have a fairness issue, which is just people saying you know a for example, a person who makes a lot of money should not be taxed significantly less than a person who makes less money. Right. So just pure emotional response fairness issue. Right. Second issue is a or funding. Or not taxed at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Second issue is a funding issue, which mm-hmm. is people assume that in order to fund the federal government, um, it's more true, it's true of the state government, but people assume that in order to fund the federal government, then the money has to come from somewhere and it has to come from taxes. So that's like a, a more practical issue, right? And right, and there's the, only so many revenue streams that this, the government has. Well, the government has, the federal government has one great revenue stream, which is the fact that it can create money. But that aside, uh, right. the, the third issue is more of a, a macro social, but still practical issue that's almost a mix of the other two, which is wealth inequality is bad, objectively it's in super itself. super dangerous. Yeah. It's and dangerous that, for the stability of society. Yeah, and that taxation yeah. is the primary means by which the federal government can actually rein in wealth inequality. Right. But you take those, I view it as, like I said, like the a three-pronged. Three yeah, yeah, that's, you're right. But they get, they get conflated where it's just like, oh, well, corporations should be taxed a lot and capital gains should be taxed a lot and look at what we can do with the money. And, you know, and I, I don't see it as a very productive conversation the way that people have it because they don't break it down into constituent parts, right. like practical issues, emotional issues. Well, I think like that's what you see the, the administration trying to do now is like, this is what we're going to use it on. We're going to use it on creating these green industries. We're going to use it to boost uh, these particular things. We're going to use it to boost these particular things. And the reason why is because of inequality. It's because of environmental collapse. It's because of the danger of stability to the republic if there's too much inequality. The reason why the inequality problem is is because the people languish at the bottom and they become disconnected at the top. Right? They become so wealthy that they don't believe they need a government. And then they turn into war, like historically, then they turn into warlords. Well, right? and Literally, social resentment yeah. is not Yeah, and then good. sometimes the pitchforks come and they take them. I mean, that's what revolutions are. So, I mean, those things can also, that's all instability. Whereas if you just squish the thing down a little bit and make people closer to being equal, which is the promise of our country is a certain kind of equality so of if you, opportunity. If you have, right. let's say that hypothetically you're aware, you're aware of, or there's an there's an ideal wealth distribution, right? And is the federal government a scary word? Yeah, but, yeah. but hypothetically, is yeah. the federal government entitled to enforce that distribution? Are they obligated to? Well, there is yes, in my opinion, they are obligated to. Okay, because. If literally we're each equal citizens, they're obligated to enforce that because what happens is wealthy people assume, and this happens when you become more and more wealthy, that you made the money because you made the money. You pulled up your bootstraps and you made that money. I think but, in, there's a, there's a dimension in, reality, in which that is absolutely that true. That is not true. 
because we allow a corporation to exist as a state. We allow money to be minted as a state. We allow cities to exist as a state that have streets, lights, and police forces and things to protect your ass so no one comes and takes your fucking money. Yeah, the government right. creates the, yeah. the government, which is an, a, yes. an, a manifestation of all citizens. And money is nothing but allows. the full faith and credit of the government. That's all it is. It is completely air. Well, the more they make, the less and less value it really has. Well, it depends on whether we're still the reserve currency true? of the world or not. I think so. Well, the not reserve, as long as we're a reserve currency of the world. The reserve it is currency the, it concept is a holdover from the gold standard, from the interim period from we went to the gold standard to relying on like fiat currency. Technically, any... Any country um, right. that prints its own currency can print it indefinitely, and it can, as long as it borrows debt the, and it maintains its value of its own currency internally, right. then... The reason why the reserve currency is selected by overall acknowledgement from the rest of the world is for stability, and that's another reason to get our inequality under control. Because being the reserve currency makes us pretty much a world guardian. Yeah. Right? And that is, that is I mean, I would rather us be a world guardian than a dangerous system like China. The, the so, social, in, social instability in America is a greater threat to the value of the U.S. dollar than, than anything any printing else. Exactly. of U.S. dollars. Exactly. I would agree with you like, 100%. Yeah. Which is why, yeah. because we're... S- quite socially unstable right now i don't and think people that the understand people yeah. literally can understand these arguments even conservative people i mean mm. literally when you have a cocktail with them they can they can comprehend the fact that someone's got to pay for the street lights someone's got to pay for the police department you know they understand these things well it's when it gets are, into all this peeing contest you know well individuals we are government. obligated to are also well entitled to uh, politically fighting for their own self-interest, yes. and it they have to be like it, what they they a person fights for themselves, and another right. person in advocating for themselves has to curtail them, like or the the majority has to enforce my freedom equality against the, the minority. Again? It's always yeah. that same line. That's that's uh, that's what my book's about is like the idea of, so what is my responsibility for you and what is your responsibility for me? And then what is my responsibility for myself? And if I don't take care of you, do I really take care of myself? Right, because... Who is is the brother's keeper? Right. Yeah. Well, saying that it's better for... Do for you. Saying that it's better for me to take care of you is a cop-out, though. There's an old Rodney Danger... Huh? I'm saying saying that okay, so you can it's say you can say that you're morally obligated trip. to take care of another person, and then you can also justify taking care of another person because it's ultimately better for you. No, because one it, of those is selfless, is and one of them you. is selfish. Because overall, it is you. Mm, because that's, that's of its impact argument. on you. No, because you're an other, and they're an other, and therefore, by taking care of them, you take care of yourself. No, I'm because a me a to myself. System. You're an other to me. But I. But you're also an other. Only to, to you. Else. Yeah, to but not to me. Else. There's uh, uh, not a, to line, me. a line yes, of the Pink Floyd. That's, that, go ahead. Well, there's a line of the Pink Floyd <laughs> song, <laughs> Echoes, yeah, where he says, uh, <laughs> two, two strangers passing on the street. You know, Joey, uh, and I by get chance, riled up. Two strangers' glances meet. I am you, and what I see is me. Yep. That's deep, man. That's one. Yeah. 
And then there's a Rodney Dangerfield movie that I can't oh, think Lord. of now. <laughs> messed up the Pink Floyd by Rodney Dangerfield. And he, and he says something, and what's it? Uh, the the whole thing about treat your treat your neighbors like you wish to be treated, and I think he reads it on a sign or something, and he turns around and he says, "Yes." Yeah, so what am I supposed to do? Jerk him off too? I like that. Yeah. So the deal, I mean, if you think about the way a republic is generally generalized or a democratic republic like we have, you have to believe that literally by taking care of someone else, you're taking care of yourself because that's literally what you do. Like your self-interest includes your neighbors because if they fall apart, then you fall apart. Think about it. Like, like who back, is like, there to be your good neighbor? Well, like to housing, you know, like if you're, if you your can't house exist on your good, own, yeah, like we're very fragile. If your house looks really nice, but the two houses beside you look like a dump, you know, then that's not good. Not good for your house. It's not good for or their house. Or just if there's a bully. It's not good for the neighborhood. That comes in the neighborhood. Yeah, but my if point. You help, if you help them beautify the property or what, then, you know, then that's better for everyone around. Yeah, my, my point is just that they're different in, there, there are different levels of justification of uh, caring for others. That's all. Yes. Like fundamentally yes. different. That's the, uh, yeah, so the, it's a the very left hand not knowing what the right hand is well, doing. Well, it's also a very generalized idea. In my book, I proposed a really, we, I proposed a really generalized idea of that, that love your neighbor theme. Yeah. You and, can be, right, you can be right. good to other people because it's good for you. You can be good to other people because well, it makes you it feel good. And you can be good to other people part because of it is your, it's just the right thing to do. Well, and part of it's your politics, part of it's your community involvement. Part of, part of it is the, how, how, where you're throwing your trash. I mean, like, a lot of it is very neutral so far. You're not actually taking food to your neighbor, right? You're, you're literally supporting them by supporting the systems that we have in place to help support everybody. Like taking care of your police officer, like making sure they're okay, making sure your fire department's running okay, making sure they have enough funds by going to the town council and bitching if the fire people don't have enough money. You know, the fire department doesn't have money or whatever, willing to pay a little bit more taxes so the fire department can have enough money to buy a new truck so it reaches the windows of your neighbor's house and your own na- and your own window. That's why I drop right. off Yana's fritters to the popes around here sometimes, man. Keep the five zero off my back. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's very self-interested, though. Yeah. So but okay, it makes me feel good. Circling that's no, good too. Plus, circling yeah. okay, circling back. This is a very yeah, that's we need a very to slowly good, wrap it up because I'm getting hungry. That, that's a very good justification for communities evolving slowly and yes. for uh, like permanent rooted residents uh, and that know each other well and feel invested in each well, other's and livelihood. We can, and we can talk about the idea of disconnected subjects, which is like the, the main focus of postmodernism. Disconnected from each other or disconnected from Di- like a... From place. Authority. Okay. From place. Right. So humans are normally connected to a plains, a mountain, a stream. Yeah. Like we're always have generally we didn't travel very far because you had to walk or yeah. ride a horse. And so you generally Or your parents didn't take you out for drives. East right. You looked river. at the yeah. mountain yeah. and it was part of you. The, I mean, the Native Americans have a whole religion that goes along with this. So, you know, postmodernism is that we're disconnected from that because we can go anywhere we want to in the world. And think about the and Mars. Think about the implications for taking care of the environment, too. Yeah. Like, are you gonna feel beholden, or you mean? Yeah, normally feel, you don't shit in your backyard. Attached to, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. But if the shit, if your shit doesn't end up in your backyard, then that makes you Which pretty liberal with your willingness to shit on others. That have moved into some of these areas that I've met recently are very concerned about the shit in their backyard. 
because now they've adopted that area as their backyard. Maybe it's because they're retiring and they know they'll never leave. Hmm. Like, so maybe they're now stuck to this place because they've chosen it as their home and they're never going to leave probably because they're retiring and they're old. Well, and I'd say, too, if you have a slower growth in a neighborhood, then you can preserve more of its history. Obviously, the history will change and in time, history will disappear because people will go away and the memories will go away. But if you can grow something slower over time, then you have a, a longer time to preserve and enjoy. You know, like I said, I've been to some of these town meetings here in the last couple of years. I mean, most of the people that go to these yeah. things, they think this whole place was figured out in 2006. They forget that people... Why do you... Where do you get 2006 from? I'm just picking an arbitrary... Oh, okay. I thought maybe yeah. something cathartic happened in Swansburg. Croatan High School, class 2006, <laughs> man. Yeah. Go Cougars. But, I mean, but, but I mean, you know, people forget that there was, you know, a, a, a history here. Beaufort's the same way, Emerald Isle, like... Oh, people don't forget Beaufort's history because of Blackbeard and... Well, yeah, but, I mean, you know, like... <laughs> we got pirates, Oh, you son. know Blackbeard was six foot five? What? No, yeah, isn't that crazy? I, Back was he then, really too. that big? Yeah. That's, That's why, why he so never scary. had to fight anybody. They talk about him putting was that he... fire in his beard and stuff like that. No, man, dude, six five and an average height of, like, five six. Like, yeah, nobody's going to fight giant. him. No wonder he couldn't anyway. hide very well in Bath. Mm. Yeah, he didn't stay there very long. Mm-mm. Anyway. Try to be legitimate like you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, every time I try to get out, I get yanked back in. Oh, it's Al Pacino's birthday. Is it real? Oh, yeah. yeah. He Happy says birthday, that Godfather Al. 3. Yeah. You know, every time every time I'm out, they pull me back in. Yeah. Mm. That's a great linkage. Your brain's fired up now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Al well. Pacino, though, was only like five six or seven or something like his that is, all his stature yeah. is in his ability to project his image mm. very very large yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah all right well i guess we'll wrap it yeah, up yes well we'd like to thank uh mudigan's coffee shop in swansboro come check it out their new dealio if you're in the coastal north carolina i don't know the exact address i just know it's on main street maine and i think elm maine and elm yep i think is it, is it check out the cool mural yeah. with the shark getting ready to chow somebody where? Right here. All the oh, inside. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a very <laughs> thoughtful shark. So, Yeah. Well, All thank right. you so much. We'll see you next time. Next time. Cheers. Say goodbye, Joey. Goodbye, Joey. <laughs> <laughs>